going on, guys? Welcome to episode 45 of NBA Unwrap. This is Perry Aston, joined by Corbin Weiderman and Christian McGowan. What's going on, guys? Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, guys. Excited for a fun all-star weekend coming up we got a lot to talk about before we do wanted to remind you guys to follow us on twitter at nba unwrapped you can follow me on twitter at perry aston follow corbin on twitter at corbin unwrapped you can follow christian on twitter at mcgowan 75 make sure to listen to our podcast on podcast.com or the apple podcast app you can also listen to us on the pulse podcast network you can find them at PulsePodcastNetwork.com or the app that you can download, Pulse Podcast Network, the app that has about 52 podcasts now. It's growing, and we have a message from a new sponsor that we have teamed up with as a network. It's a ticketing company called Tix Blitz. It's got tickets for all types of events. Quick message from them before we get started. Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well, look no further. With Tix Blitz, the price you see is the price you pay. And Tixflix just happens to have over $6 billion in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to Tixflix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want and BAM! It's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TixFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TixFlix. That's TixFlix.com. T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. All right, thanks TixFlix for that message. Let's get right into the NBA news. Pelicans, more dramas coming along with the Anthony Davis stuff. We've talked about it for, I don't know, how many weeks in a row now, but now a new wrinkle into it. So last night, Anthony Davis, last night of the NBA games going on before the All-Star break, Anthony Davis and the Pelicans were playing the Oklahoma City Thunder. Anthony Davis ended up hurting his shoulder right before the end of the first half, and he went into the training room, got evaluated. He was out for the rest of the game. He ends up leaving the game while the game is still going on, and his team is ahead. And he ends up leaving with his agent, Rich Paul, who's also been in the news. And if you have been living under a rock, he is LeBron James's agent as well. The agent that went public with Anthony Davis's trade request. So that happened last night. We're recording on Friday night, so it happened Thursday night. This morning, Dell Demps, the general manager, former general manager now of the Pelicans, was fired. Let's get into that. So really quickly before I ask you guys what your opinions are, there are two candidates that have emerged as the somewhat favorites to land the full-time job this summer. Right now, the interim GM is Danny Ferry, who is a good general manager in his own right. He was the GM for the Cleveland Cavaliers during LeBron James's first stint in Cleveland. After that, he went on to be the GM of the Hawks, and he had some issues surrounding how he handled talking about Luol Deng to his front office, but aside from that, he's been a good general manager. He helped get the Hawks to the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. I believe it was in, what, 2013, 2012, 2014. One of those years took them from an okay team to number one seed without having them bottom out and get any good draft picks. He knows what he's doing, but still the favorites coming into the offseason are supposed to be two guys. David Griffin, who is the former GM of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was the GM from 2014 to 2017, right after the Cavaliers won their only championship with LeBron James. Cavaliers ended up not renewing his contract. And the other one is Celtics assistant GM Mike Zarin. I think this is really interesting if it ends up coming down to these two GMs for the job, because the entire history of the NBA going forward and what's going to happen really could sway on which one of these two candidates becomes the GM. If Mike Zarin becomes the GM for the Pelicans, as an assistant GM for the Celtics, you would think that if the offers were even somewhat close between the Celtics and the Lakers, he's going to throw his former team a bone. Thank you for all you've done in helping me to land this job. Here you go. Here's Anthony Davis. Last time there was a big name that was up in the trade rumor mill and there were Celtics ties to it was Kevin Garnett. Kevin McHale was the GM of the Minnesota Timberwolves. He ended up trading Kevin Garnett to the Celtics for a package of Al Jefferson, Sebastian Telfair, Gerald Green, and I believe one or two first-round picks. At the same point, the Lakers were offering Andrew Bynum in a trade. So, gives you an idea of what it could be if 
Mike Zarin becomes the head GM. On the other end, if David Griffin becomes the GM for the Pelicans, David Griffin and LeBron James have a great relationship between the two of them. On top of that, David Griffin has made it clear through different podcasts and different TV shows that he's been on, he's not hiding the fact that he's a huge Brandon Ingram fan. So that would obviously help the Lakers even more. And we know it's going to come down to either the Celtics or the Lakers, most likely this summer. Perry, I'll start with you just... What are your overall thoughts on the timing of the firing of Dell Demps as GM? What do you make of the whole David Griffin versus Mike Zarin for head GM going forward? Do you think Danny Ferry might have a chance to turn interim GM tag into a full-time gig? For me, I'm going to start with Dell Demps himself. I was pretty adamant the last two podcasts, however long we've been talking about Anthony Davis. This was a job-threatening move. The fact that there was no move. I said that Dell Demps just put his job on the line, not just for the Lakers offer, but not sending him elsewhere in general. Any team, any offer, it didn't matter. As long as you got back some prospects... You moved a guy that wasn't happy there, clearly scheming with Rich Paul like you are hinting at and like it's pretty damn obvious. So I think the fact that he couldn't pull the trigger on the Lakers or whatever teams were offering the Knicks, the Bucks, anyone that could have gotten a decent haul, that's disappointing from a organizational standpoint. And for a team that's been okay for how long now and has no success in the playoffs, and especially lately with Chris Paul and with Anthony Davis over the last, what is it, 15 years between, I think it's eight years with Chris Paul and seven years with Anthony Davis. Yeah, and it was pretty much back-to-back right after they traded Chris Paul the next year they got Anthony Davis. Exactly. So now you see how long they've had what you can call a star there and no success past occasional playoffs. They beat the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, they got the furthest they got with Chris Paul was they got to a game seven with the San Antonio Spurs in the 08 playoffs in the second round. And then this past year with Anthony Davis, second round got swept by the Golden State Warriors. So you can't get past the second round. At this point, you need to make a move because just having one guy there and surrounding him with okay talent hasn't been the formula for success. And you can blame that on the coaching staff or front office, whoever you want to put the blame on. They're not the ones putting the ball in the hoop. You got to surround a star like that and a guy that could be a generational talent. We still haven't seen it all yet. He's 25. I can't say he's capped out. This is the Anthony Davis we're going to see for the rest of our career. If you consider him a center, I think he's the best center in the league. Consider him a power forward, he's probably still the best power forward yeah. in the league. And if you guys don't remember, he was a point guard throughout high school and hit this massive growth spurt. I think it was his junior year or yeah. something like he that. He was like six feet. In so he's got handles. He has court vision. He's a natural born point guard. He was reaching out to recruiters as a point guard because he was still a great player. He was still able to get recruited before he became however tall he is, seven foot, six ten, whatever, this massive unibrowed man. But <laughs> let's talk Dale Demps. This is your fault. You didn't pull the trigger. You couldn't pull in a haul. And now you don't know what's going to be there in the summer. You knew what was yeah. there. It was there. It was a reality. Multiple offers that all sounded good. And it was Yeah, it was a good offer. Yeah, too. and I didn't hear too many other offers leaked than just the Lakers offers over and over Which again. Which, again, might have been them trying to get back at the Lakers. But I think that blew up in Dell Demps' face I as well. I promise you the Bucks put in an offer. I know the Knicks put in an offer for Chris Stapp's Porzingis before making that trade. So this was before the whole trade deadline countdown. We were all just waiting for it, chewing our fingernails. When they shipped off Chris Stapps, they definitely tried to put him in that trade for Anthony Davis. I think regardless, send Chris Stapps, Timmy Hardaway Jr., and Tilkina, I'm calling that a day more than just keeping Anthony Davis hostage, having him possibly walk for nothing if he somehow stays there past this summer, or you get back a whatever haul because the market's just not there for some reason. Because like we're saying, this is all hypothetical now when it was a reality a week or two ago. Yeah, supposedly the Pelicans weren't interested in the Davis for Porzingis swap, and that makes sense because Porzingis was going to be a restricted free agent this offseason. He would have to stay with the Pelicans if he were traded there for one more year if he signed a qualifying offer, but he could leave the next offseason just like Anthony Davis can, assuming he opts out, which he most definitely will. So it didn't make sense to do that because Kristaps Porzingis was never going to stay in New Orleans, so definitely makes sense not to do that. One other thing I forgot to mention, though, about the Anthony Anthony Davis stuff with him leaving in the middle of the game yesterday is Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted that 
New Orleans' ownership was, quote, livid when injured Anthony Davis left the arena during Thursday's game. And also, I was watching SportsCenter earlier today, and they were showing the stats of Anthony Davis, what he was averaging before his trade demand versus what he's been averaging since. That was such irresponsible journalism on their part to broadcast that because it was just his per game splits we watched a game i think it was before our last podcast last week pelicans were playing where anthony davis was having a monster game through three quarters the pelicans sat him for the whole fourth quarter they've been doing that consistently for either the fourth quarter or the whole second half That's ever since he decision. came back it's yeah. a trolling decision but, but to put those stats up he's averaging 12 less points per game since his trade demand because he's playing half as many minutes do the per 60 minutes exactly yeah. or the per 36 or Whatever, per whatever minutes. Ten it's minutes, gonna, yeah. five minutes. And to chime in on this, I think I said it on the pod before the trade deadline happened that if Dell didn't move AD, he's basically saying that task is someone else's yep. job to be done. Yes. I got a lot of backlash on it from people that I know, especially some of my coworkers. But <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I prophesized it. Let the circus come in. Uh-huh. And then once it came in and nothing came of it, you have to deal with the ramifications. If Anthony Davis gets hurt, wow. He would have lost everything if they didn't put any kind of trade. Now that's the world that we yeah. live in. I mean, it depends on how big of an injury it is. Obviously, there's very few injuries that would scare anyone, myself included, from wanting to give up just about anything for him. But I was going to say, Achilles, torn ACL to a lesser extent. I hope to God I don't want any player ever dealing with that sort of injury so hopefully it doesn't happen the narrative around Anthony Davis people kind of say oh well he's been injury prone he should have shaken that narrative by now because recently I think in the last three or four years he's played the sixth most regular season games of any player in the NBA so he did have some injury concerns his first few years it was more concussion related stuff like that I think he had something with his shoulder but he's gotten to be a lot more durable in the last few years and I think a lot of that has to do with when he first came in to the league he was extremely skinny and since he's been able to be with an NBA training staff NBA strength and conditioning coach he's gotten a lot bigger you no longer think of him as someone who can't hold his own down low in the post and that's clearly helped him to chime in on who I think is going to be GM I was going to ask you guys David Griffin's the obvious choice for me I thought he was the obvious choice for the 76ers they went with an in-house guy Elton Brand who was just a player doesn't feel like very much long ago as a player's guy he's done a good job though done a fantastic job second of the year yeah I agree I think he should be for what he did at the deadline shout out to the 76ers for knowing their guy regardless of what his resume said but with David Griffin that's a guy that I hear on ESPN now and I like his takes I like how he carries himself I see his resume with how it was with LeBron there Yeah. yeah you had the best player in the world but he knows how it is to win how do you not give that guy a chance again in the NBA? I never understood exactly. why they didn't re-sign him at, right after they won the right. championship. I just don't see how he can hurt to have no. a guy with that kind of resume to come into a franchise that hasn't had a lot of success and clearly the people at the helm aren't producing playoff wins, aren't producing championships. To bring a guy that's just tasted that less than a decade ago, that's a guy that needs to come in and try it again because who knows what he can do. Right now, I think we know what this this New Orleans ownership and front office is going to do. And I do put some of the blame on the fact that we see report after report on the Benson family. The fact that the family has such a focus on the Saints, it sounds like they don't really care much about the Pelicans. It's blatant reports from some of the biggest names, Schefter, all these other guys you should see where it's like, well, clearly they're not phased because they like yeah. the Saints more. Like, how do they, you like the, the something Saint, more? The Saints GM is the president Who, for the Pelicans. What is wrong with you? You have ownership of two teams you need to put in the same effort to both and if you don't care about one of them why don't you sell it for a shit ton of money the Clippers sold for two point whatever billion dollars not too long ago why not put your team up for sale one of them that you don't care about you keep the ownership that you like and sell it off to someone that's actually going to make business decisions I'm not happy if I'm a New Orleans fan I'm a Laker fan I'm not happy either as a guy that's just talking about the NBA I think you deserve better I think you deserve a guy that's willing to take risks. Maybe they might not work, but not just, oh my God, we got lucky and landed Chris Paul. We got lucky and landed Anthony Davis. And hopefully we can do something while they're here and while they're in their prime. Why don't you go make it happen with a guy that knows what he's doing? So I'm going to say David Griffin. Christian, do you think the guy that's now the interim that he said had a decent resume also was once the Cavs GM, LeBron's first stint, and then was with the Hawks as well? Do you think he sticks around after being interim or do you think they're going to bring in another person? like David Griffin. 
I really don't know because the franchise is in so much turmoil right now that I don't know if they can make a logical decision. I think that Griffin, to all of us, looks like the most logical GM to put in place, but who knows what decision they're actually going to make. And to double back on the Benson ownership, for years, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Benson family made their money with like used car sales lots, and they've always kind of ran their franchises like that. They're franchises that spent less money on payroll and just took a higher profit when you think about outgoing money to the money that they're bringing in. They run the business from that sphere, not to win championships, but to have a good bottom line and to have a good take home. So to double back on making money with the Clippers being acquired for that amount of money, I think they could sell the Pelicans for a pretty penny. I know owning an NBA franchise is something that a lot of billionaires will hop on the train to do. And right. uh, Gail should really do what she wants to do and focus on the Saints. And everyone seems clearly invested more in the Saints and with how the market has gone for an NBA team, I think this is the time for them to sell to someone who is willing to put the money to bankroll a championship team. The same New Orleans deserves it. The Benson family actually bought the Pelicans, well, they were the Hornets, but not too long ago, back in 2012. That's part of why the Chris Paul trade was able to be vetoed because at the time the NBA had taken over ownership of the team. The team had gone into bankruptcy. David Stern was the acting owner of the team. He ended up selling the team to Tom Benson, who bought the team in 2012 for $338 million. Nothing. That, yeah, that is an, even for the Pelicans who are in probably one of the worst markets in the NBA, you're still going to get way more than that. So Gail Benson was actually quoted in 2016 saying she would never sell the Pelicans, but I don't know. I mean, it's very clear that they prioritize the Saints over the Pelicans, but we'll see. Let's move on to another topic. I mean, somewhat having to do with the Pelicans, the Lakers who are connected, but the Lakers' explanation for trading Ivica Zubats. This and was real quick before we get into this. This is just a small debate that Corbin and I had previous to the podcast because I know it's spelled Z U B A C. Christian, how do you <laughs> say his name? Zubak. And I say Zubak because so, it's spelled Zubak. But Corbin says Zubats and thinks it's this. And I want to ask you guys, I hope someone knows or actually met him to I do double know. this. I don't trust it because I it's spelled Zubak. And so, guys, if anyone knows... It's just like Divots, Vladi Divots. Did you say Vladi Divots back in there? Vladi Divok. I think I said Vladi Divac. It's Vladi Divac. Oh I'm God. just saying, okay, guys. Okay, well, you guys need to Give me a sound bit, guys. Anyone out there that has personal knowledge or I, any way to I prove to knowledge. me, I am fine with accepting well, that. What we're saying is someone who has the opposite view of Corbin, just chime in so we can use you as ammo yeah. in our fucking debates. That's, that's really Please. what they want. It's they just Zubac. want someone to try so. to prove me wrong. <laughs> All right, having to deal with the Lakers trade of Ivica Zubats. Oh, there's a T and an S you just put in there. That's, a <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, where are these letters coming from? Ivana Zubat. <laughs> when he got drafted by the Lakers, oh suddenly they asked him, how do you say your name? And he said, Ivica Zubat. So right, find me the clip. I'm going with what the actual human being said for how his name I'm going to say pronounced. what Christian said. Find me the clip. Find the clip. So the Lakers traded Ivica Zubats and Michael Beasley to the LA Clippers for Mike Muscala. Straight up trade. No picks involved or anything. Horrible. Yeah, awful trade. Brad Turner of the LA Times went on to a podcast, and he's very connected with the Lakers management, their front office. He leaked one of their offers was to the Pelicans. So he went on to a podcast recently and tried to give an explanation, at least from what he had heard from the front office, for why they made that trade. He said, quote, The Lakers kept thinking to themselves, we won't be able to afford Zubats this summer. That can't happen. And the biggest key out of it all is that they wanted Michael Beasley gone. He had to be moved on. Some of it was because of the interaction he had with Luke Walton after the Golden State game when he spoke about but guys being selfish and he was singled out. So based on that, the Lakers knew going forward if they're going to keep all of this salary cap space, then they wouldn't be able to afford Zoo. They loved Zubots, they wanted to keep him around, but they couldn't afford to keep him on the team this summer. Also a small thing was... JaVale McGee started feeling some type of way about not playing as much, about not starting. You have to weigh all of those things. First off, I just want to say that Zubak, a player that was playing well, a guy that can stretch the floor, and a guy that even if you had no long-term plan for him, 
you can attach them in a trade and get a valuable Real asset. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like a blockbuster. And it drives me crazy. And the fact that Mike Muscala is the return, I get the no mindset that you want a veteran guy. But I retweeted something on Twitter not too long ago about Ray Allen and the celebrity game, which we'll talk about in a little bit, who put up a decent stat line, of course, against celebrities and yeah. stuff. He but better, it said, better put up it said Ray Allen would help guys. the Lakers right now more than Muscala. I half agree. <laughs> I wouldn't argue. Muscala throw him in the corner all day. Ray Allen, he could be 65, and I'd still throw him in the corner. That's a guy like Reggie Miller. Throw in a couple Air Force Ones right now. Get in the corner, and I'm going to trust your shot all day. I don't care if you've been in the booth for 10 years. Yeah, but you mentioned how they could have attached Zubots to a trade. So really quickly before I get into that, their explanation about how they wanted the biggest key out of all of it was that they wanted Michael Beasley gone. Buy him out. Do they not know that they can release a player? Right. That's... All you had to do. That, is, that is something I said last podcast, though. I did say that the reason why Beasley was attached had to be but something to do I, I know, with I the know. fact that he went we were trying to, We were trying to explain it, but so that doesn't make any sense. Then the thing about JaVale McGee feeling some, <laughs> type, some of type of way, way about not starting. I'm cool. sorry. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm sorry you're not good enough to start. Feel some I'm sorry Zubots is a better player right now. Deal with it. You were like, playing play ten, better. You were playing ten minutes a game for the Warriors. You're still getting a lot of run with the Lakers, even if it isn't as a starter. He was playing really well to start the year, but he's tapered off. Zubats was clearly the best player. Doc Rivers said like a day or two after the trade, he's talking to reporters and he said, Yeah, when I heard that we could get Evita Zubats for what we were giving up, I asked I think it was Lawrence Frank, he's like, Are you serious? Like he thought he was joking. When he said no, he's like, do it. Do it now before they change their mind. Perry, to your point about being able to include Zubots in a trade. so Wait, Can we just call him Zoo while we Zoo. do this Okay, today? fine, fine. We'll do Zoo. We'll straight. do, but it is Zubots. We'll call okay. it Zoo. Evita. Evita. I'd or rather let's just stick with Zoo. Okay, Zoo. Talking about Zoo, they figured that they wouldn't be able to keep him past this summer because they wanted to keep as much cap room as possible. They're not keeping Mike Muscala past this summer, I wouldn't believe so. They're not going to hold on to his cap hold. So Mike Muscala's cap hold, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I know he's getting paid, I think, around 4 or $5 million this year. So his cap hold is going to be around $7, 8000000 million. They're not keeping that on the books if they didn't want to keep Zubats. Zoo's cap hold this summer was going to be $1.9 million. He was going to be a restricted free agent. So that $1.9 million, if they don't have anyone to fill in that spot, the cap hold that you have to have for any amount of players you have under 12 on your roster counts as like $812-ish thousand dollars against your cap. So really you're paying an additional $1.2 million in order to keep Zubots' rights, keep him as a restricted free agent, and then even if some other team offers him a ridiculous contract, you can match it, but since there's an NBA moratorium, you have two days, 48 hours to match it from, I believe it's July 5th. So they wouldn't have to match it until July 7th. That would have given them a week. They would know by that time what free agents, if any, were going to sign with them. And that $1.9 million cap accept or cap hold it only would have made a difference if they were going to sign a player that had 10 or more years of experience in the nba which would be kevin durant at that point they would need all the cap room possible in order to sign him anyone with seven to nine years or six or fewer which are on lower tiers so durant's starting salary for next year would have been around 38 million per year anyone with seven to nine so Kawhi, Kyrie, clay those players Starting salary of around thirty-two, thirty-three million. That's so not, that's not yeah, that one point. That that one point nine million though, it wouldn't have made a difference. You would have been able to keep Zubots, and then on top of that, because obviously the Lakers still want Anthony Davis, they need to be able to make the salaries match this summer. They will not be able to just trade all of their young players, even if it's Kuzma, Hart, Lonzo, Ingram, Mo Wagner, all of their young players. The salaries will not match up with Anthony Davis. What they could have done is held on to Zubots' cap hold and kept him a restricted free agent, given him a really generous offer, and said, we're going to give you all this money, but you have to agree to a sign-in trade so that we can trade you, along with whatever young guys we needed to, to the Pelicans in exchange for Anthony Davis. This entire trade and explanation of it, it just didn't make any sense to me. And I'll be honest with you, if Magic Johnson didn't get LeBron James to come to LA, his overall grade, in my opinion, would be like a D-plus or yep. Odds said that the Lakers had a 6% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, basketballreference.com. So right now, Lakers are 28 and 29. 
This is the furthest into a season that LeBron James has ever been under 500. They're giving them a 6% chance. I still think they have above a 50% chance, even with them being, what is it, three games out of the playoffs right now. They still have above a 50% chance. I'd say like 75-80. With LeBron James, and historically, LeBron James, for his whole career, he has seen an uptick in his production after the All-Star break when he really needs to start turning it on. His carrying meter goes up a ton. Even though he's already carrying. Especially if I see them getting a new coach after the all-star break i can see lebron really kicking things into a zero dark brawn whatever he does in the yeah but that's another thing though is that there was a report that came out that luke walton is safe we had a poll up for you guys if luke walton was going to make it through the all-star break because their last game losing the hawks in atlanta that was disgusting and luke walton i was not happy with his rotations it looked like the team completely gave up on him Having said that, though, I do think it's the right decision to hold off on firing him until after the year, just because I don't see if they go with Jason Kidd or Mark Jackson. Yes, maybe they're a slight improvement, but the little bit of improvement that they would be, I don't think outweighs the time it would take to be able to adjust to a whole new coaching staff coming in. I disagree. Bring in someone new and it might actually light a fire under this team and have a set of rotations or plays that actually make sense so i totally disagree with you luke walton doesn't make a big difference on his own he is a game manager if you want to put a he's an excellent defensive coach even though lately even defensively they haven't been good regardless he's not a guy that can lead a team that lebron is at i'm over it i think everyone else is over it and he needs to go that's just about it for him. I don't think he's going to make it to the end of the season. I don't either. I am Even with the report, though? You still I don't, don't think, think so. he's going to make it to the end of the season. And if he does, that'll be the end of that. If yeah. it's not now, Probably. it's going to be then. Well, I mean, unless they go on a run and win at least one playoff round, yeah, I think he's done after this year. Regardless, even if they win one playoff round, he's done after this year. This is not a guy that's for the future of the team. And LeBron may not have all the say in the world, but... Trust me, you can tell when he's frustrated and when he's not. We're going to move on to a couple guys that were the heads of the buyout market, a couple places that benefited off veteran presence. I wanted to ask you guys who you thought was the top buyout signing so far. Wes Matthews to the Pacers, Wayne Ellington to the Pistons, Ennis Cantor to the Blazers, Markeith Morris to the Thunder, Jeremy Lin to the Raptors. There may have been a few others that might have caught your guys' eye if you wanted to bring those up. But those were the main that I really thought at this point are going to make the biggest difference on these contending teams moving forward. For me, it's going to be Morris. All of those guys are pretty solid players to be left like not on teams this late in the season. But the Thunder are the only team on this list that I really feel like are going to benefit from having a guy on the buyout market at this point in the season. They're red hot with Paul George. And Wes Brick has been playing not efficient, but he's still He's broken the record for most consecutive triple doubles. He's up to 11 now, 11 in a row. It was nine. And Paul George stuck his way into MVP consideration. Which is nice, but his shooting efficiency is god awful. And his free throw shooting has disappeared, even though he was 86% earlier in his career as a free throw shooter. But I'm not going to get into that right now. For this, what you said, Perry, the best fit, it's the Thunder being the three seed right now and him being one of the better buyout candidates left on the market. So are we saying who's the best player that was signed or just who's the best fit? Well, you said the best Who's going to do the most for the team that they're going to? Two really stick out for me. So Jeremy Lin going to the Raptors, I think, was a really nice signing That's by That's a them. nice signing. And especially because their backup point guard, Fred Van Fleet, is going to be out for, I think, it's at least three weeks with a thumb injury. And with that Marcus All trade, they yeah. traded some of their depth. With DeLon Wright and Miles. So to get another guard back there who can add depth and high energy off the bench, I think this is a great match. Yeah, and then I agree with you, Christian, the Markeith Morris signing with the Thunder. Markeith Morris is a good player, and there were a few teams, including the Lakers, who were interested in him. So for him to go to the Thunder, that was a really nice signing. By the Thunder, he's just going to help their depth. And they're a team, like you said, Perry, Paul George has vaulted himself into MVP consideration. Westbrook, even though he doesn't have the shooting statistics that you would hope for, he's still obviously one of the most impactful players in the game. And their defense, I think they're the number three defense in the NBA. So they're as much of a threat to the Warriors as any team in the West, even though I don't think any team is an actual threat. I agree with you. I'm going to say that it's... a. Three-way tie for me between the two you guys just pulled up with Markeith Morris and Jeremy Lin and then Ennis Cantor to Portland. But the thing is, I don't know if Portland has enough on that roster to make a playoff run. So I don't know if 
Ennis Cantor is going to be that difference maker. I think he's an amazing add for them, considering I thought he was a shoe-in to go to Boston. To hear him signing with the Trailblazers, it shocked me a bit, but intrigued me. Maybe he might stay there. Ennis Cantor seems like a loyal dude. He just keeps getting shipped off in trades. I follow him on Twitter. He's a funny guy. He really falls in love with the culture wherever he's at. I think it's going to be the same there. But with Ennis Cantor, that's not enough for the Blazers. With Markeith Morris, I think that's a move that could put them in consideration now for the top of the West besides the Warriors. Did you see on Ennis Cantor's Twitter after he signed with the Trailblazers, he had, I think it was his banner, he had Photoshop of him in the Blazers jersey. It was really low quality. Yeah, but but also he he was at one end of the court. And there were people playing on the other end, and he's just <laughs> yelling at the fans on the other end, no interest in the actual game. <laughs> I fucking love Super it. low quality Photoshop. And yeah. I thought, a double zero, I thought it was hilarious, but I'm going to agree with you guys with Morris for the Thunder being that piece, yeah. that edge off the bench. I love his attitude, both the Morris twins, especially Markeith. I just love how gritty of a player he is. So I think this is going to be that type of guy in the playoffs that could turn it up a notch. Do a little playoff rondo. You know, that one guy that might have been just good for you in the regular season, but really was that dog for you in the playoffs. So I think that could be that perfect cherry on top. And Jeremy Lin's a really high IQ player that is going to help the Raptors. We are part of the Pulse Podcast Network, and we just have a quick message from them. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated, but most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. I'll say it one more time. Marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. And we hope to hear from you soon. So if you want to promo you guys at all, reach out to us, reach out to the Pulse Podcast Network. We'd love to get your business on air to list for our listeners. Wanted to transition to the celebrity game for All-Star Weekend in Charlotte. It was a nail-biter here, 82 to 80. I know a lot of people don't necessarily care about it, but I think it's just a fun tidbit that all major sports really do. Team Home defeats Team Away, so at least who would be considered Team Home for Charlotte won. I think that's cool. Famous Los 32 on Twitter, Famous Los. He put up 22 points, pretty sure he won the MVP, and 18 points, 5 assists, and 4 steals from Jay Williams. Ray Allen was in this game, like I said earlier in the podcast, put up a pretty decent stat line. I honestly think he could help the Lakers more than Carmelo Anthony right now. That's an up for debate. I, I think it's a funny debate. It's sad to that have. it's even a debate. Right, exactly. It's not that far off. Yeah. Famulos, actually, he played Division One basketball. I don't know if any of you guys follow him on Twitter. He does the, like, imitations of, like, James yeah, Harden yeah. be like. A dot, B Yeah, he's fun. Like he, but he's actually a really good hooper. Like I, I follow him on Twitter. I wouldn't want to catch him at like twenty four hour fitness. <laughs> <laughs> so he's over there with Le'Veon Bell playing at twenty four right now. We should honestly make a first team all twenty four hour fitness uh, for <laughs> LA Fitness first team. <laughs> first team all empty gym. Carmel Anthony. Oh, with he's the, the number one pick. With the hoodie mellow, yeah. Undefeated, never lost in the gym. <laughs> so we're going to move on to the next aspect of this weekend. It's going to be the Rising Stars game. World versus USA. I'm going to have Corbin read the rosters for each team. And it just ended within the last hour. It was Team USA defeating Team World 161 to 144. USA really taking it to Team World, who I honestly thought was going to win this game. We're going to have a quick discussion about both rosters, just listing who is on each and who we would want to build our team around if there's any thoughts that we have Luka. on players that really stand out. <laughs> just going to say it, Luca. Okay. I don't care what team he's The world team had OG Ananobi from the Toronto Raptors, DeAndre Ayton from the Phoenix Suns, Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Sacramento Kings, My who man. I know Perry Dog-dog. are a big fan of him. Dogdan, Dogdanovich, <laughs> the dog. Luka, Luka Doncic from the Dallas Mavericks, Shea Gilgeous Alexander from the LA Clippers, Rodion's Karosic from the Brooklyn Nets, Lori Markinen from the Chicago Bulls, Josh Akogi from the Minnesota Timberwolves, Chetty Osman from the Cleveland Cavaliers, 
and Ben Simmons from the Philadelphia 76ers. And then on the USA team, Jared Allen from the Brooklyn Nets, Marvin Bagley III from the Sacramento Kings, Lonzo Ball from the Lakers who was injured and replaced by Kevin Knox from the New York Knicks, John Collins from the Atlanta Hawks, De'Aaron Fox from the Sacramento Kings, Jaron Jackson from the Memphis Grizzlies, Kyle Kuzma from the LA Lakers, Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz, Jason Tatum from the Boston Celtics, and Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks. So a lot of talent between those two teams. The players that you just named really had a great game tonight. The MVP of the game being Kyle Kuzma with 35 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 assists. Trey Young behind him with 25 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds, almost a triple-double. Jason Tatum, 30 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists. Donovan Mitchell, 20 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, and Ben Simmons, who I swear at this point has been in the NBA for 10 years, (laughs) still in the Rising Stars game, which I think is hilarious, 28 points, 6 assists, and 5 rebounds. Yeah, I have a question about that. Does Ben Simmons just, like, if he doesn't make the All-Star game, he just gets (laughs) to, like, play in the Rising Stars? He playing in the sandbox until he finally makes it to the... I think until he makes it 3, they're just trolling him. Like, look, man, you have to... It's in your contract. You have to play in all of these rookie games. And by the way, for all you guys that are listening to the podcast, I really care about this game, and I want to watch it without knowing what the final score was. So while Perry was reading that, I literally... sitting over there with his ears (laughs) muffed like a weirdo. It's going to sound so weird because Corbin has just vault back and la 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 even though Team Egypt won the whole thing. Okay, thank you, Christian. You're welcome. Uh, but I... <laughs> I wanted to get into a little bit just about the rosters between the two teams. So obviously a lot of talent. These are the best first and second year players with the exception of Ben Simmons who... It's like a five year. Yeah, I mean, technically third. I'm Joel Embiid didn't try to play too. Like, ha ha, <laughs> let me play. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him, but I wanted to ask you guys. So out of these players, if you were starting a team, trying to build a team around any of these players, who would you build around? It's really a two-player race at the top between Ben Simmons and Luka Doncic. I can make the case for either, and it's really close. I'd actually go with Ben Simmons, even though Doncic is two years younger. I just think as incredible as Luka Doncic is, especially offensively, the amount of impact that Ben Simmons brings to the defensive end of the court as a six foot ten point guard who's extremely quick, both laterally and just overall very agile. I would just barely want that. I know Luka Doncic obviously has him on the scoring side of things. And he can shoot the ball. But Ben Simmons, I mean, he can still score. He's averaging, what, 16, 17 points a game. He posts up. He can finish inside, which obviously Luka can as well. Passing-wise, I'd give the edge to Simmons, even though Luka is a very good passer. It's really close. I'd just go with Ben Simmons, though. I'm assuming you guys don't agree. I'm going with Christian. I'm going to go Luka, and I agree that it is close. Ben Simmons, shoot a three, you coward. Make a three. (laughs) For God's sake, you're a professional athlete with a shooting staff, with a coaching staff that's there to help train you. The fact that you're content with being a top 25 player in this league instead of making yourself a top 10, possibly top 5 player by adding a three-point shot is ridiculous that it's taken you 10 years now into your NBA career where you're still playing in the Rising Stars game. Get in the gym with your three-point coach and start training some fucking threes. That's my rant. Just add some fucking depth to your game. I feel like that'll allow him to stretch his game out a little bit more if he makes the three-pointer. But yeah, it's going to be Luka. He can rain it from way downtown. He's hitting step-backs on James Harden. He's pulling out moves that I haven't even seen. No, he is incredible. To your counter, the only reason I'm going to put him over Ben Simmons is he's two years younger. I know, that's that's fair. And after Ben Simmons, I'm going to go Jason Tatum for myself, who I would build around. That would be my guy. And then, You take him over Mitchell? Bogdan Bogdanovich? Yeah, it's a close (laughs) close one, though. I have Austin. (laughs) You'd take him over Mitchell, though, or DeAndre Ayton? Yes. I honestly would have Mitchell and Kyle Kuzma over Jason Tatum. Kyle Kuzma, I got to look through the whole roster, but he might not even be top 10 for me. When you factor in his age, he's already 23 years old. I think I would put Jason Tatum at number three. Donovan Mitchell's up there as well with De'Aaron Fox and Jared Jackson as well. I want to ask you guys, though, so between De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, Jared Jackson Jr., and Donovan Mitchell, how would you rank those four in terms of who would you build around? De'Aaron Fox first for me. Fox above Mitchell. Fox, and then Mitchell, and then Jaron Jackson Jr., then Marvin Bagley. I like Mitchell and Fox switched. I think if they were the same age, I'd go with Mitchell for sure. It's just because Mitchell did spend one extra year in college, so right. another year older than Fox. I 
think I would still give it to Donovan Mitchell, though. So I'd probably go Mitchell, Fox. To me, it's Mitchell and Fox are in one tier, and then Jared Jackson Jr. and Marvin Bagley are in another tier, and it's really close between the two of them. I'd go Mitchell, Fox, Jared Jackson Jr., and Marvin Bagley, but it's pretty close. I agree with you, and we should move on to the next bit of All-Star Weekend, which is the three-point contest and slam dunk contest, which we briefly touched on last episode, me and Corbin. We have Christian with us, so we're going to all do a quick prediction for who we think is going to win the slam dunk contest, who we think is going to win the three-point contest, and then we're going to list the rosters for Team LeBron and Team Giannis to talk about who we think is going to bring up the W on the All-Star game. So I'm going to start with the slam dunk contest participants, Dennis Smith Jr., John Collins, Miles Bridges, and Hamadou Diallo. I know me and Corbin were actually impressed with this lineup. I know it's not yeah. a very well-known lineup. People it's were upset. really good. People are going to jump out yeah. the freaking gym. Serious yeah. athleticism. And I know I've been adamant that I think it's going to be John Collins putting up the dub. Yeah. I know last week you said Dennis Smith Jr. Corbin, are you going to lock that in? Really quickly before I get to that. The surprising thing for me was that John Collins was actually the favorite, betting odds favorite. I usually, told you. yeah. Well, usually big men do not win the award. It's just as good of a dunk. The guy's as a, a big freak. man. Can, yeah, but as good of a dunk as a big man does. If a guard does that same dunk, it looks better because they're smaller. I don't know. He's a freak, but I'm going John Collins for sure. Yeah, I'm going to yes, go with yeah. Dennis Smith Jr. and then I would go Miles Bridges. But I am so excited. Hamadou Diallo. Not many people know of him because. He was, what, a late first-round pick, not getting tons of playing time with the Thunder. But he is as athletic as you can get. And to all of these participants and everyone else in the NBA, just enjoy this one contest because once Zion comes in next year, the next 10 years is just Zion winning it. Unless he pulls unless LeBron. Unless he doesn't want to. Unless yeah. he pulls LeBron and he says never nah. does it. Uh, I'm going to go with John Collins. Just there we because, go. Wow. Just Team Collins, baby. When I was watching ESPN, supposedly <laughs> him and Trey Young are working on a, you know, like, combo type thing so obviously you're not going to get style points from Trey Young being there but the smile on his face when he was talking about it makes me feel like they're up to something I'm so excited you know. for this I love so, that's my favorite so part I, I don't know it just seems like they're up to something and it's going to be something different so I don't know there's a lot of athleticism they're going to hit their head on the ceiling just trying to dunk this thing. They seriously might. There was so Miles much. Miles Bridges. There was, on Twitter, I know there's a lot of 10-year-old trolls that happen to pop up on our feeds, but there was so much hate going towards these guys for the dunk contest. I think everyone needs to pump the brakes, and I'm not going to say this is going to be one of the best ones we've ever had, but I think this will be the most pleasantly surprised we've been watching the dunk contest. Yeah, I mean, there's been dunk contests before where you've definitely had a lot more name recognition. And some of them have lived up to the hype. There's been some very good ones. I remember Nate Robinson, my man. There were some really good contests between him and Dwight Howard. I remember one year when Paul George and John Wall were both in it. That's some name recognition. That was a good contest. And then obviously, I think the best contest, Vince Carter might have had the best individual slam dunk performance out of anyone, but the best contest overall was the year when Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon were just going back and forth. They went into what, like, triple overtime or something yeah it, that was insane and this one i seriously think could live up to at least close to that contest yeah one of the most athletically gifted yeah group of guys that we've sure. seen in the dunk contest in a while and we're gonna move on to our three-point contest prediction i said it's going to be between kemba and devin booker i gotta lock one in so give me kemba walker that's going to be my prediction. He's going to take it home in Charlotte and then say peace when the <laughs> offseason hits. So really quickly, the contestants. So Devin Booker, Seth Curry, Steph Curry, Danny Green, Joe Harris, Buddy Heald, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, Dirk Nowitzki, and Kemba Walker. I'm going with Curry. So I, I, I get two. Seth uh, or Steph. I'm going with Curry, specifically Seth. He's going to break really? out the old Del Let's Curry go. jersey. They're both going to pop out Pops' jersey. Seth is going to outshine his brother. And a quote was, uh, I think someone asked a reporter, asked him, oh, are you going to channel your inner uh, Steph when you go out there? And he goes, no, I'm going to channel, channel my inner me, Seth Curry. So <laughs> I think... He's such a good shooter in his own he right. Is, yeah, he and is, and I want to see the dog win it. I want to also put $10 on it and, and win the odds. And it makes money. <laughs> but, uh, you know what? I'm going to go... Wow. This is a really good field, too. It's Live a bet. Contest. Corbin, <laughs> 10 bucks. Are you going to bet with Christian right Let's now? Let's do it right now. You put Steph, you put Seth. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll go with Steph, but Steph. I could see, like, Buddy Heald, too. I, he's a really good shooter. 
There was They're all really there was this shooters. performance from Joe Harris the other yeah. day or like a week ago. It was like six for eight from three. He's lighting up now, getting up to this contest. I wouldn't be surprised to see a random name like that pull it out of here. But I like seeing a guy like Damian Lillard on there. It's Dame time. The Dame time. Dame, Dame Dalla. Dame Dalla. Yep. It's about to light this up. We're gonna list the All Star teams and who we think is gonna win. Team LeBron, Kyrie, Harden, LeBron, Durant, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, Clay Thompson, Lillard. Westbrook, Aldridge, Carl Anthony Towns, Bradley Beal, and Dwayne Wade. Team Tamper. Team Tamper. And Wade. Team Free Agent and, yeah. <laughs> and Team Recruitment. And with yeah. Wade as that nice <laughs> team. Ha ha, nice I story. like you. <laughs> <laughs> team Giannis, Curry, Kemba, Paul George, Giannis, Embiid, Middleton, Jokic, Simmons, Blake, D'Angelo Russell, Vucevic, Kyle Lowry, and Dirk Nowitzki. So Team Foreigner. Team Harden. For the most part. Pretty it's, much. Yeah. Get a nice one, and then you're gonna Watch have a guy them like win though. That'd be so infuriating. And then Paul George and D'Lo <laughs> sitting there dapping each other up while Jokic and Embiid do some weird dance on the sideline, all passing. Exactly. Who do you guys take on this? I'm going Team LeBron. Yeah, I, I mean they should win. They're clearly the more talented team. Giannis went with Chris Middleton with the first pick of the reserves because it's his teammate, and then. LeBron got Anthony nice. Davis, yeah. Nice. Giannis's strategy in this is so flawed. Like, Keep my friends game. tight was, and my was, enemies. I mean, it obviously gave good ratings, gave stuff to talk about when he's like, okay, well, you got Durant with the first pick. I'm going to go with Embiid. So you know what? You get Harden with your last pick of the starters. Do you guys think the Warriors would beat the East team? <laughs> Honestly, though. Team Giannis versus the Warriors. Seven-game series. I'm Who still wins? going Team Giannis. Well, do both teams still have Steph Curry? Is it like Curry versus Curry? or It's like one of those things where it's another version it of Curry. Out. It cancels slightly. out. He got a pretty good shot. That's so sad. We're going to do a post-All-Star break prediction real quick with who we think might take the East and who we think might take the West. And if there's maybe one or two teams might be on the outskirts that you think might make a post-All-Star break run or vice versa, a team that's currently poised to make the playoffs who's probably going to fall out at some point. I think the Brooklyn Nets, they're two games up on the seven-seeded Charlotte Hornets. The fact that the Wizards still have a shot to make the playoffs yeah. with everything that's happened to them shows how bad the back end of the East is. Yeah, but I think Brooklyn... Dwight Howard joke, insert there. <laughs> Oh. Brooklyn has, though, kind of separated themselves. I feel pretty confident saying they're going to be in the playoffs. They've been playing better lately. D'Angelo Russell has been on fire. He could help the Lakers quite a bit right now. We don't have Timothy Mozgov's contract. And now. he wouldn't be playing like this if he was yeah. still in No, he wouldn't. You need to get tagged with Timothy Mozgov yeah. to be humble to play that way. <laughs> Did you guys see the article on Bleacher Report? It was a sit-down with D'Angelo Russell, and he was saying the trade to Brooklyn honestly was the best thing for me because if I was still with the Lakers... I'd be having to go through all of the trade rumors right now. And, and he even said what you brought up about how it's kind of an honor to be traded with Mozgov because in his mind, he was the most intriguing of the Lakers' young prospects. So that's why they were able to trade him off with Mozgov. Mm-hmm. I think it's because he was the least attractive for the Lakers going forward because they could have made the same trade with Ingram as well or if they wanted to trade the number two pick. But he's telling himself that... Look, right now he's having an incredible season. He looks like he's going to end up having a really good career. And when he was on the Lakers for two years, he showed flashes of what he could be, but it looked like he might be a disappointment, and now he's clearly not. So I'm going to ask you guys who you think is going to win the East. I'm going to start with me with the Bucks. I think they're going to hang on to it. I know there's been the 76ers floating around, Celtics. And not going to give it to the Pacers now that Oladipo's out. I don't think they're going to hang on to being a top three team, but I still think they'll make it. Isn't and it incredible they're still the three seed, even with Oladipo seriously, going out? They've still held on to And it. the Raptors, the last team out of that group. So I'm going to stick with the Bucks. I think this team's a well-oiled machine. And the fact that they added Nikolai Miritich, a perfect piece. I can't talk about it enough. I think the Bucks are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the East. I'm going to go with the Raptors. I think the addition of Marcus Gasol, and I think that they've been kind of playing a little down recently. I think they're going to pick it up towards playoff time, and Kawhi's really going to solidify himself as the best player in the East. Best player? You, better than Giannis? Yes. Wow. I love Giannis. He's my fellow Greek, but <laughs> I'm just more impressed with how Kawhi Leonard plays. I mean, they're both just incredible, but I'm so excited for the playoffs, not just on the Western side of things, but the East, too. Oh, when before the East the, just really came back from yeah, being... Yeah. Before the season started, it was, uh, well, you know what? We got the West, but the East, like, who really cares too much? Mm-hmm. But they had five really good teams before Oladipo went down. But still, that second round in the East is going to be so much fun to watch. And even the first, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing all of them. 
I'm going with the Philadelphia 76ers. Ooh. I think I think outside of the Warriors, they have the best starting lineup in the NBA, and I really don't even think it's that close. Yes, the Bucks got better, but still, just looking at them, I love what Mike Budenholzer has been able to do taking over as a first-year coach for them. But you just look at the difference in terms of talent for both of those rosters and Giannis is the best player that either team has but the 76ers starting lineup any one of their starters could go for 20 points on any given night you got four players who can create for themselves completely even though Ben Simmons can't really shoot from the outside he can still attack the paint and get his and then you have JJ Redick who can somewhat create for himself, but it's more running him off of screens and stuff. And he is lethal. One of the best shooters in the NBA yeah. still at that 34 years old. That four-point shot he had last week? Jesus. Yeah. I think it's the Bucks Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I do think the Bucks got better, like you said, Perry with Miritich. But Sixers adding Tobias Harris. Oh, my God. You mean God. J. Cole. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Jermaine. And the Western Conference side, we have the Warriors up top at 41 and 16. And right now the Clippers at the 8th seed, 10 games back, but they aren't going to make the playoffs so they, they can hang on to that pick. Yeah. So they'll hang around there for a sec and then drop right out to conveniently be the 9 or 10 seed and have a team like the Kings, who are right now one game behind the Clippers at 30 and 27, or the Lakers, who are currently three games behind the Clippers at 28 and 29. Even a team like the Timberwolves, Mavericks, or Pelicans, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think realistically... So, yeah, 12-team race. Realistically, we can say the Lakers or the Kings are in the best spot right now. So, like you said, the Clippers owe their pick, their first-rounder to the Celtics, unless they fall into the lottery, which we thought once they traded Tobias Harris they were going to do. But, I mean, they beat the, I think it was the Celtics right after they made that trade. They had another win. I think it was against the Suns, but... They're not completely out of it. They lost the Timberwolves. Yeah, I'd be be surprised if they made it. I wouldn't be shocked. The Lakers, I know we mentioned earlier, basketball reference, giving them a 6% chance of making the playoffs. I think that is just ridiculous. Yeah. You look at the players on the Clippers roster, the players on the Kings roster, and the Lakers roster, and even you want to bring the Timberwolves and Mavericks into it. I am not betting against LeBron James that he's not going to be able to beat out each of those teams to make the playoff spot. Difference in games between the four seed and the eight seed in the West is three games. It's nothing. I'm not saying the Lakers are gonna go up to the four seed, but I'm just saying it's so crazy just and like so last year. so exciting. Yeah, just like last year to see we could go down to the final day of the regular season again oh, where so much happens. Last year the Timberwolves and Nuggets Thank you, NBA, for scheduling them to play on the last game of the year because that was literally a play-in game. The winner made it as the eight seed and the loser lost. Timberwolves won in overtime. So exciting to warm everyone up to the playoffs. Right. And then on top of that, I think the Pelicans started the day as like the six seed. They ended as the three seed. Crazy. Maybe we don't get that much excitement, but still, to be this close, everyone's going to be battling right down to the end. And I think that eight seed, yes, it's important to get into the playoffs, but everyone is going to be battling to get that seven seed or higher because you, you never don't want to yeah. play the worst. If you get, whether it's the Lakers or any other team gets the seven seed, it's so close between the rest of the conference. As a seven seed, you could end up in the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors. But you drop to that eight seed, Done. you're going home early. Well, obviously, we all agree the Warriors. Yeah. And I think we can take it even further to say they have the championship. Yes. Locked you in. just blanket statement that until someone leaves. We got an MVP debate. James Harden, Paul George, and Giannis. Paul George is a name that is super hot right now. I actually put up a poll on Twitter, got a lot of love from you guys, asking who was the frontrunner between the three, and Paul George actually won that poll. So you guys think it's Paul George, so that's your answer from what I saw on my Twitter. I'm going to go Giannis still. I'm going to hang on to that one with how he's playing. It's out of his mind, and I'm going to stick on to that after they lock this one seed in for the East. That's going to be highly taken into consideration with what he's done with this team. And he's just going to get better and better, I think, with Miritich there. It's going to add even more floor spacing for them, even though they didn't even need it. Giannis is going to just add it on, and he's going to get that eye of the tiger now that they're actually in a position to win. He loved playing for Coach Kidd, but I think this is just another level. You can make a really strong case for any one of the three of them. Giannis has had an incredible year. What Paul George has been doing lately... You can make the case that he should be MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. It's crazy. I don't remember another player. You might have to go back. I think Jordan won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year back in like 89. LeBron James, there were years in his prime where he was a really good perimeter 
defender. He maybe could have won it, but Paul George, what he's able to do carrying this much of an offensive load and still being able to exert as much energy as he does defensively, it's very, very impressive. But even with that being said, I'm giving it to James Harden. I know the Rockets actually have the worst record out of the three teams for players that are really being considered for this award. But James Harden, without him going on the stretch that he had and is still on, even though it's not quite as ridiculous as it was, the Rockets would be one of the bottom teams in the West. He literally had just about no one around him. Chris Paul goes down. Clint Capella goes down. He's scoring, I don't know how many points he had in a row without one of them being assisted by another player. Hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah, I think it was around like 200-something. I think it was more. It might have been more. It's like a five, six-game stretch where all of his points he manufactured completely on his own. No help. I mean... I'm sure he got some screens and stuff, but no teammate set him up. Thanks for nice standing passer. in the way. Yeah. You haven't done shit for <laughs> me. Watch me drain from 65 feet out. What the fuck? That yeah. dude is unreal. And I know Paul George and Giannis both have better field goal percentage numbers than James Harden, but part of that is because he had to put the team yeah. on his back, and the defense could completely scheme for him. Whereas but, Giannis, somewhat, they still can scheme just for him, but. Paul George does have Russell Westbrook. But he won the MVP last year. So that, for me, is... I know that I hate to say vote, voter bias. They're not going to want to give it to a guy twice. They're going to give it to a guy and like Paul George People love the whole story thing. Like, he just signed the contract to come back. He's picking it up for Westbrook. Yeah, but... I so think, are you I taking think voter, Paul George? I think it's Paul George's... So we're a three-way wow. split here. This is one of the first times I remember this in a long time. Where we are completely three. And I don't disagree with either of you, to be honest. Cause yeah, no, a case with, could be made. I'm not going to say either of you are wrong. Yeah, the three right now are neck and neck. That's why with the Twitter poll... I'm going to say you're wrong like with Zubots. I was sending it to Corbin surprised at the results. Yeah. And we both were just yeah, shocked how close it was between the three and Paul George eventually winning. So our listeners do agree with Christian on this one. Yeah, the Team, Army. Team Christian. We're going to talk about the two honorary All-Stars. Which is the best thing that they've done this the new edition. Adam Silver, just every single year, mm-hmm. as good as he has been, he just keeps becoming even better. There's reports so, that the NFL is trying to get him to be their commissioner. There's no way he's going to the NFL. So before we talk about this debate, about this, you just brought up Adam Silver. What I tweeted out today on the page was actually them at a technology seminar and he had a smartphone and it was a jersey that you can change the number and the name on the back digitally so that it's almost like interchangeable. I don't know how they plan to implement this, but Yeah, I don't I don't think with the player it means anything changing it to another player. No, it's for the fan. I can just see free throw goes in then a little ad pops up on all the jerseys for like Mitsubishi <laughs> or something, and then boom, goes back to the number. No, but what Corbin said, I think it is more yeah. for fans who want to get a Kuzma Lonzo Ingram jersey, I guess. You know, you can have all of them and yep. just switch them out. And then I wonder how it works, because obviously the NBA, you could make a case that they would be losing some revenue if they only sold one jersey that changes, but... Maybe not because maybe ten hundred dollars for one. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was wondering how much it's going to be, and then also maybe you pay for maybe the starting jersey is 60 70 bucks whatever and then for every additional player you want to add to it maybe it's another 20 30 because i don't think there are many people who if they're going to go buy a jersey okay i'm buying one jersey it's not like oh well now i can change this into five different players so you know what i was going to go buy five different jerseys but now that i have this now i'm not i think it's more oh cool you know what i'll splurge and pay the extra 20, 30 bucks so I can change from Kuzma to Lonzo versus only Depending on Lonzo. who's breaking that game. I, yeah. I just with the, all the classic jerseys and how jerseys really are like a collectible, I just don't really see that factoring into the whole collectability yeah. of the jerseys. I just think it's cool that they can. Oh, it is it. cool, but I just see it more being like the ad function of it than necessarily the r- retail jersey part of it. Yeah, I mean, the only video we saw, it wasn't even like the jersey was on someone, so we're still... It could just I, be a concept. Yeah, I it think, is, but it's cool to yeah. see that that's what they're thinking about. I know, love the NBA. I love modern technology. I love how they can even think about these things now, but going back to the subject that took us on that side rant the d wade versus dirk debate the two guys that are honorary all-stars like you said christian awesome move from the nba and with lebron taking d wade it's a perfect fit with dirk on team foreigner another perfect fit <laughs> so it seems right 
and I like it, but we're going to have a debate here with who had the better career. Also, who is the more skilled player? I guess you can go at it either way. I'm going to start with you, Christian, with who just off you living through the two players, who left more of an impact on you and who you think was more of a skilled player? So I think the better player and the more accolades is going to be Dwayne Wade. The run with LeBron, the hard work goes to Dwayne Wade, but when you talk about skilled, when I think of skill, like as a basketball player, there's skill and athleticism. Yeah. Dwayne Wade was much more of the athlete, much more of the go up and dunk it, where Dirk really did master skills. Corbin right. took one of them, you know, let me dirk you off, <laughs> Step yep. back, you know, put your Let leg up and jerk you off. You've, I don't think, I've, yeah, I, you've never I say that, that to people when I'm talking shit. Yeah, it's like I'm Corbin's dirt, one, I'm gonna, one, I'm one like trash. Give me a bottle of Hampson. I'm a dirt Let me dirk you off. You off. But no, so there's like you know, there's the dirk move, but that goes down <laughs> to technique. Not that Dwayne Wade didn't practice or doesn't have technique, but yeah. It was just so much more important yeah. for Dirk to be successful by when, that. When you late. think of Dirk, he really is a technician. That is what his game is. He's a technician. He's a mental guy. Yes, he's a tall, tall man. But really what his game is built on is being a technician. So that's my answer to your question. I agree. I think it's clearly Dwayne Wade for both. Whether you want to go who's had the more impressive career with accolades or just who was the better player. Dwayne Wade was a two-way player he was in his prime at least great offensively great defensively Dirk Nowitzki while you could probably argue that skill wise yeah he was more skilled than Wade offensively he could do more than Wade it's just because Wade was so athletic he was probably actually better offensively but defensively it's not even close I remember I think it was a year or two ago which I know isn't in Dirk Nowitzki's prime but There was a game when the Cavaliers were playing the Dallas Mavericks, and towards the end of the game, Dirk Nowitzki had to switch on to LeBron James. It was a close game. The possession mattered. Dirk Nowitzki, he looked around for a split second, realized, oh shit, I'm on LeBron James. And then he ran out, tried to foul LeBron, and LeBron dribbled around him, went right to the rack, and dunked it. Obviously, Dirk was a better defender in his prime and could move a little bit better than he could these past few years. But Dirk's a dinosaur. Yeah, de- defensively, that was never his forte. He was offensively very skilled in the post. His patented fadeaway off of one foot, which I stole from him. Thank you, Dirk. But... Even in the warm-ups before games, he would go out there to warm up, and he would spin on one leg, spin around 360 on the floor, obviously. He's not doing it in the air. He could jump like three inches. And then he would just start shooting, and he'd do it from different positions. And he learned that from a shooting coach, I believe he got while he was still in Germany, that taught him these unconventional ways to get shots off because he didn't have the athleticism to be able to do that some other way. And to his credit, he just completely mastered it, and he was able to create a Hall of Fame career out of it. He had the height part that you you can't teach, but yeah, he's unathletic. He's an unathletic white guy, and he mastered techniques that made a Hall of Fame career. That's so crazy, and that's really what sports is about is... Having that tenacity. Dwayne Wade is a, like, you look at him and you see him, well, like, that is a God's gift to human in terms yeah. of, like, athleticism. Dirk, that's me in the gym, moving. <laughs> Old man, seeing me do 10 fucking pound little, little weights, just trying not to get diabetes and die. That's Dirk, but just with a much better shot. I am Dirk, but I'm chubby. And chubby. <laughs> I like Dwayne Wade, but I think you guys both just said it best the skill there it, that's why i asked the question in two different ways because i definitely think dirk has found a way to make more with less yeah i think we can say but that's all we have for you guys today on episode 45 of nba Rap. before we sign off I want to remind you guys to listen to our podcast on podcast.com the apple podcast app or the pulse podcast network you can find them at pulsepodcastnetwork.com or you can download the app pulse podcast network with about 52 podcasts on there right now ranging from all different types. So it's a great thing to go find a bunch of different funny, awesome, informative podcasts all in one place. And to our new network-wide sponsor, TixBlitz.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. And use promo code PULSE, all caps, for 5% off any ticket purchase. They're going to be with us now, so make sure to go check them out and get whatever tickets you need from them. Remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. You can also follow Corbin on Twitter twitter at corbin unwrapped and christian on twitter at mcgowan 75 yeah and then if you guys haven't go ahead and check out our website unwrappedsports.com we have 
how many writers are we up to now, Perry? 16. Yeah, so we got 16. That's not including us, not including Mike. We're growing. It's really exciting. You guys are writers that have been writing for us. You guys have been doing an incredible job. We have a group chat that we've been... Yeah. People have been bringing up, oh, well, you know what? I want to write about this. I'm thinking of doing a piece on this. What do you guys think? I love that. Everyone's supporting each other. I know we got a 17th and an 18th in the mix, too. I don't want to unravel that yet, unwrap <laughs> it yet, but I am talking to a couple other guys interested in contributing with us. If you are interested, make sure to hit us up on any of the Twitter handles that we just named. We are about to have a newsletter go out, our first one featuring a few different key articles from us from the last week or two that are going to be sent to anybody that signed up for our email e-newsletter that is the orange box on our website and if not we're going to be posting the url on our social medias and on all types of platforms so that you guys can access it even if you're not signed up for the newsletter and check out what we're doing here on the network great stuff we have an amazing team like corbin just said and i couldn't be happier with where we're at right now with all of our partners tick splits pulse podcast network everybody at yamble which we've talked about on a couple podcasts ago a bunch of different people mike like you said the lead writer with mike drop sports so many different brands and companies that we're partnering up with and it's just becoming something great so make sure to go check out our website like corbin said at unwrapsports.com yeah and check out first round mock draft for nfl and i'll have a first mock draft for nba coming soon awesome make sure to go check out everything on our website and follow that on twitter at unwrap sports thank you guys so much we'll catch you guys next time